Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Merry Trashmas, everyone, and welcome to Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, uh, your guide through trash cinema, your favorite festive dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're donning our Yuletide apparel and getting our stocking stuff by one of the beaviest boys around. WWE's Bill Goldberg. When we cover the 2005 Christmas horror film, Santa Slay. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to the bad boy of Christmas, Patrick the Holiday Hazard Swaggart. I'm ready to get stuffed. All right. Well, next up, he's coming to exact his revenge over the Boston Eggnog Massacre, the reigning heavyweight champion of Yuletide Cheer, Boston Mike. Wow, I I don't deserve that, but thank you. It's great being here. You deserve all that and more, Mike. Well, before we jump into the Christmas title match, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget, you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema.gmail.com or... You can DM us on Twitter at Save Trash Cinema or on Instagram at Save Trash Cinema as well. Make sure to check out last week's episode of Trash Talk, where we dissected the history of Christmas horror and listed off some of our favorite holiday horrors to enjoy this Christmas season. We will be continuing to release mini-sows, roundtable discussions, interviews, and even game shows. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. But enough housekeeping, enough Yuletide cheer. Why don't we get on with an overview of Santa Slay. Santa Slay is a 2005 Christmas horror film written and directed by David Steinman. Mr. Steinman is best known for Santa Slay. I mean, when you hit, you hit, right? You know, honestly, what I have here is that when, uh, you know, when you're the champion, the best champions, they know when to go out on top. And exactly. Mr. Steinman went out on top, and I respect People's him champ. for that. Now, the story goes as such. WWE star Bill Goldberg plays the devil's son, who, after losing a bet with an angel, is forced to spend a thousand years playing Santa Claus. But now, after the thousand years has passed, good old Santa isn't so joyful anymore and decides to make up for lost time and lost bloodshed by going on a streak of wanton terror, leaving none alive in his path. The film stars none other than WWE's Bill Goldberg. He's fucking Bill Goldberg. Either you know him or you're a fucking nerd. Nerd! Didn't, didn't grow up in the late 90s. It also stars Douglas Smith from Don't Worry Darling, Big Little Lies, and the pee-pee-poo-poo man. I mean, the bye-bye man. It also stars Emily DeRaven from Remember Me, Public Enemies, and the Hills Have Eyes reboot. as well And as- Lost. Was she in Lost? Yeah, uh, she, Lost. Played, she played Claire in Lost. Yeah, she's, no, the pregnant, she's the pregnant Australian girl. Charlie, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Wow, that's an uncanny. Yeah, it's uh, Dingoes, I think, right? It's Dingoes? 
Well, Dave either way, Gray. the film also stars Saul Rubinick from Hunters, Warehouse 13, and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, as well as a bunch of cameos, but it's better we save that little surprise for later. The Correct. film runs for an hour and 18 minutes and doesn't have a Rotten Tomatoes score because critics were too big of a coward to watch this masterpiece unfold in real time. The audience gave it a score of 43%, but no one should trust those fucking losers. Now, the film is unfortunately not on Tubi, unlike almost everything else we cover, but you can watch it for free through, though potentially censored, on YouTube, or you can do the logical thing, which is to get yourself a physical copy from Amazon for $10, or you can rent it from Amazon as well. Now, boys, with the overview out of the way, why don't we take a little time for some initial thoughts? Mike, we're going to start off with you tonight, man. Uh, I'm very excited to hear what, what your initial thoughts were going into Santa Sleigh. Yeah. Um, my initial thought was Goldberg's first name is Bill. Like, that <laughs> honestly just threw me for a loop. Um, I just couldn't shake that. I was like, Goldberg's fucking name is Bill. Um, I love Goldberg. He's the man. Um, I remember specifically when WCW was over and he was like the guy from WCW and he yeah. got pushed over to WWF now WWE. And it was huge. It was such a big thing. It was such a big get. He was like the only Really, well, actually, WCW kind of ruled, but um, he was one of the biggest gets, and then he became the world heavyweight champion a few years later, and then he just he just kind of faded off in the mist and just, you know, went off on his merry way. So um, it was great, you know, seeing him in this, and it's also – it's you don't even notice that it's Goldberg. Goldberg is just a bald dude. and He, he disappears every, in the role. He yes, does. he is. He looks so good with hair. Like, he looks – he looks he must be so mad watching that. He's like, I was – I mean, he is a dog either way, but um, – <laughs> Yeah, the movie is just, I mean, it's fun. It's a quick hour or so. It's a fun movie. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. All right. Good news from you. This, that, that seems positive enough going into the film. Now, Patrick, you yes. are one that, uh, honestly, I thought you were going to love this movie. And I, honestly, I think that about a lot of these movies. And a lot of times I am absolutely incorrect on my That's also true. So Patrick, why don't you tell the audience about your initial thoughts going into the film? Yeah, so when you when you let us know that we're doing an entire month of Christmas-themed movies, first of all, I was excited. I love Christmas, my favorite holiday. I'm a cheery boy. You know, this isn't a video podcast, but I am wearing my Santa Loves My Big Ass sweatshirt today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, for those of you at home uh, that would call this a sweatshirt, I, I did that for you and not a sweater, but that's that's a different conversation. Um, but then came in. Sure. I look at the movie and I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hear that Bill Goldberg is in it. And I mean, we, we, we all know the Hollywood relationship with wrestlers, either they're incredible or they're dog shit. There's really no in between. And so I was scared, but then it, it, was, it was very back and forth for me came in because then I see it's like 72 minutes. I'm like, I mean, this is a give and take here. So I was I was cautiously optimistic going into the film, uh, but only one way to find out what my ending thoughts were, and that's to do the rest of the episode, Cayman. Sounds good to me. And then last up is me. Yes, Michael. Um, also wanted to note, just clearing up the elephant in the room, Goldberg's Jewish too, which is just—it's just one of the most Jewish names out there. And he plays Santa, and he's—he's he's just awesome. I just kind of thought of it right now. I was like, oh yeah, we just you have the most just, famous Jew wrestler, and he's Santa. 
you just ruined an actual bit of trivia. Um, but uh, <laughs> go, you go, fucker. you fucker. Going into my initial thoughts. Um, so I grew up in a household in which, uh, as a, I mean, as a kid in the 90s, if you didn't love wrestling, were you actually a kid in the 90s? And so knowing this historic history of wrestlers making their jump to the lot, the big screen, you know, whether it was Hulk Hogan back in like the 80s, or early 90s. Mm hmm. Bill Goldberg was one of my favorites. He's a, he's from Atlanta. He's a Georgia boy. Um, so, you know, obviously we love this guy. And so knowing that he plays Santa Claus in a horror film, it was right up my alley. And uh, I have to say, well, there's a reason why this movie was chosen for the episode. And with that out of the way, why don't we actually get into the episode? Santa slay everyone. According to the Book of Claus, Santa, Satan's only son, lost a bet and was forced to spread Christmas cheer. But now, all bets are off. Santa? Yes, there is a Santa Claus. We open on a family celebrating Christmas. As they say grace, motherfucking Santa Claus breaks out of the chimney. He immediately kicks the family dog across the room and then proceeds to wreak havoc. He stabs two knives through James Can's hands. One of the daughters passes out, then impales herself on a broken stake. He lights Fran Drescher on fire, then drowns her in a bowl of eggnog. He then kicks Chris Catan through a china cabinet and bludgeons Melissa Gayhart to death with a table leg. He finishes off by using the star on top of the Christmas tree as a ninja star and throws it into the back of another one of the sisters. Then he finishes off James Can with a turkey leg to the mouth by slamming his head on the dining room table. Title screen, Santa Slay. Honestly, we could talk about the opening of this movie for an hour and a half. It's the best. This is the greatest opening ever. I love the, okay, so first things first. The people in this scene, maybe outside of Chris Kattan, Heavy are hitters. all like prolific, like they've had prolific careers. How the fuck did they get into this movie? That was one thing I could never figure out. I so, still cannot find out. Do you know? Does I don't know? I don't know, but in the timeline, because this is 2005, Chris mm -hmm. Kattan ended his SNL stint in 2002. Okay. So this is three years post SNL. And he didn't have like a huge career post snl so him i think it makes sense because it had been a few years he was probably just what was when was monkey bone released because he was a big big, big uh big role in monkey bone alongside good old brendan Fraser. 2001 so he was still on snl when monkey bone happened mm. um and then like james can all obviously a prolific career but like in the early 2000s, like it, it obviously it's been so long since The Godfather. Like he did more things than The Godfather. He was but I feel an like elf. He was he was an elf. fucking elf. Sure. Yeah, two years before this. Uh, so Still. I feel like there must be someone behind the scenes that like they're just buds and we're like, listen, I have this idea. Will you just give me a day on set? And James is like, you know what? I'm having lunch with Fran Drescher. Can she come? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, like, yeah, I don't know how you get such a weird, eclectic group of like not C level people. Just all random people in yeah. different, in total different areas of 
a celebrity's career too. Yeah. Like Chris, like Chris being just this weird jokester SNL guy, Fran with that specific voice. Huh? Yeah. And then um, I forget, I forget that name of the show that she was in, but she was super, superstar in it. And then just James Can, which is she's just one of like, she was in the nanny. better actors ever. What was it? The nanny. Yeah, that's it. Um, also, and Chris Kattan, or however you want to say his last name, he's also just fingering uh, James Can's wife under the table, and yep. it's like it's like NBD for everybody. There, well, I mean, there's a lot of of NBD in this scene, and yeah. uh, a lot of the the dialogue in this scene, who boy, yeah, uh, crosses some lines. We start off strong. It is also worth pointing out that the entire Mason family, and that's their last name in the film, in the opening scene, are played by Jewish actors, which apparently was meant to be an inside joke since their characters are celebrating Christmas. Not only that, but just like as you mentioned, uh, Mike, uh, Bill Goldberg, who plays Santa, is an observant Jew, even going as far as famously refusing to work on Jewish high holidays during his football and wrestling career. So um, apparently this movie was just full of a bunch of Jewish people who had a good laugh at Christmas, which honestly, good for them. Now we cut to a deli. An old lady berates the kid working behind the counter about sandwiches. She tells him he's a piece of shit and to stop acting like his crazy grandpa. She demands to be wished a Merry Christmas. And none of the and none of that happy holiday PC bullshit. And then tells the shop owner, Merry Christmas, and to go fuck himself. Which <laughs> I love this scene so much. This is, is like this is like two back to back, like just gold hitters. seats. Like it, like it, it gets in my head. It's like a, you watch comedy films. Like these scenes would be like the star stealing scene of like a normal movie. Sure. And there's these are just thrown back to back. And honestly, though there are highlights, this movie is just keeps hitting on all levels. After I, I do really love this character of being like a pre war on Christmas. There's a war yes. on Christmas type of woman, but she's in a deli owned by a Jewish man. Like, why would he say Merry Christmas to her? And she's like losing her goddamn mind because this Jewish man will not say Merry Christmas to her, which honestly is great. This is very prescient uh, of the times we're now, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, what 20, almost 20 years removed from this. And this is still an, like things that fucking happen probably more regularly now than they did back in 2005. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just fucking awesome. Now on her way home from the deli, she's driven up on by Santa and his reindeer or rain steer. It we'll get to that. He honks his sleigh horn at her. She tells him to suck it. And then he drives her ass off the road and her car explodes. And there's a, uh, Bill Goldberg as Santa gives us a little Luda reference when he's like, move, bitch, get out the way. Which is so I, true. I like that. That was nice. Um, going back just for the scene <clears throat> when they're in the store, mm-hmm. I don't know how to confirm this, but I swear that scene has to be just the same um, like setting for the episode. I mean, the scene that's in the room when he's in the store. Everything just looked the exact same. And when he's like in the room, like, you know what I'm talking about? When he, what's his face goes to the store. The flower store? Yes, the flower store. The no. whole setup of it, I was like, I was like, this is the room. And then she's just is like kind of doing the same stuff, but just being like rude instead. And then just walks out. I just, that, that was my whole vibe the whole time. I was like, sure, this is the room. Sure. <laughs> now back at the, the store, Michael's mentioning the deli. The shop owner gives his, uh, his store hands some Christmas presents. The girl, Mary Mack 
gets a snow globe and the boy Nicholas gets a universal clock that tells the time in every single time zone. Now, Mac and Nicholas, they leave and Mac gives a Nick a girl ride back to his house on the drive. We get a bit of an exposition dump about how Nicholas hates Christmas because it's always disappointing. He then has to use 43 different keys to unlock the door to his house, which is also armed with even more security alarms when he enters. Upon entering, though, he hears some commotion inside the house and goes to investigate and finds his grandpa hanging out in the basement being a little freak. (laughs) His grandpa apparently is an inventor and has made a nutcracker into a gun. Also, he has a bunker for some fuck all reason. I mean, if you're making a nutcracker into into a gun, I think we know why you have a bunker, Cayman. I want a bunker in whatever house I move into. Oh, I know you do. This grandpa's awesome. I don't know why. What's up with this guy's fucking uh, like just attitude? This Douglas Smith guy. This this grandpa's the coolest dude ever. He's like he's like, hey, when shit goes down, like you're gonna be so happy that I'm your grandpa. And he just <laughs> is invent shit in the basement. Like that's the coolest thing. And not to, I'm sure this Douglas Smith guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I, I don't want to ill will him on anything, but he's he's probably the worst actor I've ever seen in my life. He is terrible. I mean, I he mean, he's so in bad. don't he's in don't worry, darling. So if that goes bad. through anything, then um, I, yeah, he he grows up to be Harry Styles. Oh, is that okay? That makes <laughs> yeah. a lot of sense. Uh, back, you know, so outside the convenience store, we've now cut scenes. We see Santa, and he's currently acting as a Salvation Army Santa, and is sucking down on a candy cane when he's jumped by a hoodlum. Santa then beats the shit out of him, stabs him in the eye with a sharpened candy cane, smashes his face into a brick wall behind him, and then throws his dead body into a dumpster. Which I just want a quick little story here. So I'm yep. watching this movie, and this, this scene happens, and I am completely shooketh to my core when I realize I know this man that is this, this hoodlum. He's an Atlanta guy. He used to be the artistic director of Dad's Garage, I don't know him like super well. Like we've done some improv together. Uh, when I was at Kennesaw, he came and like did some workshops with us and performed with us a few times. But I was like, oh my God, that's Kevin Galise. I know this man. Uh, and this is the first time in a in this podcast, Save Trash Cinema, that we've been watching a movie and I've actually known someone personally come on screen. So that was a really weird experience for me. Fantastic. I lo- <laughs> it's just that's like so funny. The, the roots run deep at Save Trash Cinema. Now back in Nick's house, Grandpa farts into Nick's face and then tells Nick about the actual secret history of Santa Claus from the Book of Claus. Basically, in history, there were two immaculate conceptions. God had Jesus and Satan had Santa. (laughs) Over um, Over the centuries, though, Santa slayed and Jesus got Christmas. And at the turn of the 11th century, an angel came to earth. Something a little uh, a little chestnut about this moment is the old book that explains the origin of Santa Claus is actually written in Icelandic because some believe that parts of the Santa mythos are taken from Norse legends. A little a little nod to the history of Santa there by the production company. Now, unfortunately, this history lesson that we're getting through Nicholas and the book of Claus gets cut short because Mac shows up and disrupts the story and gives Nick a gun for Christmas. Just kidding. It's actually a gun that turns into a transformer. It's at this point that they kind of allude to the fact that the two of them are dating, but it never really gets mentioned in full at any point until maybe the end of the film when they will get to that part. But yeah, like, 
it, it was odd. I, I I felt like they there was a, a scene that was accidentally cut that no one caught by the time yeah. this was uh, released. But so this little Transformers reference is the first of several early <laughs> 2000s references that I had not thought of in so long that we're I, we'll, I'll definitely bring them up every time we get to them. But when obviously they're not going to be like, that's a transformer. She's just like, it's not a gun. It's more than meets the eye. I'm like, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> he says, he uh, says at one point, he's like, I, I'm not going to just say, I'm going to paraphrase what he says, because what he says is definitely offensive as fuck. And I can't say it out loud, but he basically, when she hands it to him, he's like, you got me a gun. Are you fucking stupid? Yeah. Well, he uses another word than stupid. You could probably catch where I'm going with that. Sure, sure. But it's just like, it is so fucking funny to me that like this whole scene is taking place. But then it turns into a Transformer and everything's yeah. fine. Also, this the fact that this is a little Transformer gun, which I don't know that they ever made Transformers that were guns, but maybe they did. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have to, if we have a, a few minutes, I'd like to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that I wish that I had been given this gun transformer as a kid, because when I was in the 10th grade, Mike, we're filming this project for class. Uh, we had to somehow like use these different like trigonometry uh, fucking what do you call it? Uh, math equations? equations. Yes. Thank you. Equations in this like video project. And so my partner and I decided we were going to do a spoof of a bunch of different Keanu Reeves movies. And so I had this little green toy gun that I had painted black and brown. So it looked like a real gun for the purposes of filming. Oh, Patrick. And as we're driving home, I I don't even remember this guy's name. Uh, He was a a year older than me. But as we're driving home, the car that this guy had total piece of shit. Like it looked like he got it from a like uh, from a corner and it it didn't own it. Like this car did not look good. Mm. Um, And so I'm holding this gun in the car and as it, 16 year old are you sick i think you're 16 ish in 10th grade i thought it was a great idea sure to to lean out the window ever so slightly and point this fake gun at cars driving by oh god patrick so what happens mike we pull into the neighborhood we're we're not 50 feet from my parents house and three cop cars come up behind us and obviously they flick at the lights on and they're like turn your car off put your hands on the dash and don't move and we're like what the fuck why they're being really aggressive here. Like we're, we weren't speeding. Like we're about to be home. Like what is, why is this such a big deal? They get out of the car. Like their hands are on their guns and they're approaching our car. And that's when it clicks in my brain. I was like, Oh, I'm a fucking idiot. Obviously. Sure. They think that this is a real gun. God damn it, Patrick. And so I, in my white privilege. Yes. Just start laughing about the situation because i realize how stupid this is and how stupid i am and so they come up and they're like get out of the car they don't think it's funny that i'm laughing but like i'm trying to explain to them the situation like this is why i'm laughing because this is such like once you see it you'll see why i'm laughing like there isn't even a trigger on this gun it's half it's like falling apart but so he walks in he like looks under like it's like on the floor of the car. He like looks at it. He like picks it up. He's like, where do you live, son? So he, he Boy. drives us home. I walk inside uh, and I'm like, hey, mom, there's a cop out here. He needs to talk to you. I made a mistake. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she, he, he like ripped my asshole apart. And then obviously she was 
pretty upset for obvious and legit and warranted reasons. And yeah, that was the time I was almost uh, taken to jail by yeah, a police I, officer. I bet she was oh, mad. She it. had to return her Transformers gun for Christmas now. She Correct. Said, I can't my kid have this Transformers yeah. gun. It was now See, evidence. We were- See, we were poor. We only had bionic real guns. guns. So, yeah, and, and and real guns. We couldn't afford the Transformers guns, so we just had a, a bayonet in my closet. God damn it. Well, we got to a church, and the pastor is leading a Christmas server, service. It does one of those church services that I think everyone is familiar with, where they demand money from everyone. He then shows up with that money to the local strip club, Gold Diggers. And following suit right behind him is none other than, you guessed it, Santa Claus. Great name for a strip club. Oh, for sure, for sure. Santa gets his sleigh valeted and then kills the bouncer with a Christmas wreath. Inside the club, he forcefully kisses one of the strippers, which sets off one of the other bouncers. And then uh, he kills him, obviously. Then he goes up to the actual stripper stage area. And uh, before he rips the pole off its face, he decides it was a good idea to roughly or to, you know, clean the pole. So he does that and he rips it off the thing and then he kills a bunch of people. He then uses a piece of coal that somehow uh, ignites the entire club in flames uh, before dashing off into the night. When I'm watching this movie, I get to this point and I'm like, I'm thinking back. I'm like. What the fuck is this movie about? Is it just about Santa killing people? Like, I I couldn't figure out if, like, I had missed a plot line up to this point or if we just hadn't gotten the plot yet. And I think at this point we just hadn't gotten the plot yet. But I I just I laughed watching him just eviscerate this strip club because I'm like, what is the point here? But I was having a great time. Yeah, it was great. And he also got a nice little smooch in with one of the girls. It does. Um, I will say for what it's worth. Some might argue too much clothing in a strip club and a bit too bright, but neither here nor there. He burns that place down. Where is Liz for our tit for tat segment? Because there was like 20 women in this club and I don't think any of them had a shirt on. I don't think they did. Well, (laughs) back in Nick and uh, Nick's house, Uh, Nick and Mac, they have a disagreement over the term odd and Mac tells Nick to fuck off until he's ready for a more mature relationship. It's at this point. This is when I'm like, are they dating or not dating? Because I have no fucking idea. Now, down in the basement, the grandpa is still tinkering with his nutcracker and uh, Nick decides to finish reading the Secret Santa book. Now we get the rest of the lore. The book continues as such. During Christmas, an angel comes to Earth and becomes a man. He goes and checks out Santa, who's abusing some elves. Knowing Santa is a gambler, the angel challenges him to a bet. The bet being an elaborate game of curling that ends in the loser if it is the angel being sent to hell for eternal punishment, or if it is Santa, he would have to stop slaying and be a good Santa boy for a thousand years. The angel obviously wins the contest, and well, the bet just ended, and Santa is now free once more. I lost my mind when this movie cut to a claymation backstory and it, it, it all centers around the sport of curling. Yes. This movie is Canadian as shit. This movie is pro curling and I'm pretty sure it's the only movie in history that is pro curling. I and love curling. I, I, curling's great. Santa's great. I, this was, I was, oof, I had a, what a, what a moment in this film. 
The next morning, Christmas Day, Santa continues his reign of chaos and wanton mayhem. First up, Santa blows up two kids. Which fucked them kids. Someone fuck had them to. kids. Fuck them kids. So the the presents, so the basically like cuts to like a house and these kids open the presents and the kids like, are we gonna what type of shit do you think we're getting for Christmas? And the other kids like, let's all open our fucking presents. And then the then the presents just blow it's, up. It's a bomb. The yeah, it's a bomb. It blows up, and then the two kids, it's just like their bodies and their heads are just blown completely off. And then it cuts to the grandma, and she's just sitting there and she just goes, Well, fuck. <laughs> like guts. Yeah. Well and said. She, well said, it, grandma. It cuts back to the church, and the pastor laments the loss of all of those beautiful, beautiful strippers. Now, a question, <laughs> boys, did anyone write down the names of the strippers? One of them was was basically like uh Dirk Diggler's name. But it was Tink Tink Tinkler. It was uh, Testicular. The... That's it. Test yeah, Testicular. <laughs> it was Testicular. Ah, so one of them's name was like Muffy Diver. Um <laughs> they all oh, the names of these strippers were just so good. Also There's... super offensive but so good there's also a moment i think it might have been before the backstory where i think it was when nick and mac were having a little disagreement where we saw one of them on the internet and it was 2005 internet yeah and i was like oh my god the internet used to look like that and i would like scroll on the internet when it looked like that that was a cool moment wasn't he wasn't he just aol chatting with a stranger and then they basically yeah. were like, you're, "You're how old are you, kid?" And you're like sixteen. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Oh, that's wrong." Yeah, there was some AOL chatting, but there was also he like clicked around on a on like a website to get into the chat. It was mm-hmm. it was great. It was Santa then shows up to the deli where he promptly spears the shop owner and then impales him to the wall using a menorah, and then he eats some potato salad. This whole movie came and I'm watching and I'm like, when are we gonna see it? I know Mike was with me. When are we going to see the Goldberg spear, his signature move in his wrestling career? And that's what we saw here. We finally got to see Goldberg's signature move, the spear against this heaven sent delicatessen worker. I was kind of hoping. I was like, I've seen this movie so many times, but I still always hope that in that scene, he spears him, then jackhammers him Mm, with his second signature move. Mm. I think that would have been the icing on the cake. But, you know, I'm okay with just one inclusion. I also, I, I'm really glad that we had that piece of trivia earlier where we learned that Goldberg is Jewish because I really felt like this was a hate crime when he takes the menorah off the wall to kill the guy. So I was like, this really feels wrong to me. But knowing, that he, was, age, yeah. knowing that he was in on it makes me feel a lot better. Do you think that Kanye West watches this movie and is like, I, this is great? Oh, no. Yeah, but then he, but then he sees that it's Jew on Jew crime and he's like, God Gosh darn it, this isn't what I wanted. Oh boy, I don't have a comment about this. Nick shows up to a gas station and buys some Nicorette gum from Tiny Lister. I don't know if you guys caught that cameo. Anybody yep. remember anybody remember Tiny Lister from uh who was also a well had a small stint as a pro wrestler? He was one of Hulk Hogan's arch rivals for a bit. Yeah. And it was all set up for the that trash cinema classic, No Holds Barred. Oh, yeah. Which is a fucking great movie. He hears on the radio that the deli was vandalized. This is Nick. And uh, he heads on over to check out the scene of the crime. It's there he finds the shop owner who, while not actually dead, tells him that Santa Claus is real. The cops show up and say that someone saw Santa around the business, makes several racist jokes, and then puts Nick in the cruiser to take him to the police precinct. 
Nick calls Mac to pick him up, but before she arrives, Nick chats it up with the police captain and tries to explain the true history of Santa. But the captain tells him he's a loony, just like his grandpa. Mac picks up Nick, and they head off to find Nick's grandpa. Um, the police in this movie are very bad at their jobs. Correct. Terrible. Santa arrives at the police station and nut tasers the police captain. And then he kills everyone else, which is par for the course for the way this movie is going. And we'll continue to go from this point forward. Now, Mac and Nick are driving down the highway when they get pulled over by the police. Uh, but lo and behold, it ain't the police. It's just motherfucking Santa Claus driving a police cruiser. He chases them down and leaps on top of their truck. And Nick uses Mac's father's shotgun to blast Santa off the truck bed. And then they escape. That, I mean, this useless. whole scene... Insane. Go ahead, Mike. I was like, Nick is just useless. Like, he's like, what is this gun? She's like, it's a gun. Put bullets in it. He's like, how do I put bullets in the gun? He's yeah. just useless. She's just like, just rip it in half. It's like, yeah. man, this is, you guys should have had some training before this whole situation. Her truck is awesome, though. Just, uh, oh, just yeah, a sidebar. Sure. I, lo- I, oh, I don't even know what it is. It's just, it looks like a toy. Oh, no, it doesn't look. It's like just classic Chevy Silverado, man. Just a classic Chevy Silverado that some. It's just the gun owners. That's a gun owner's car. Mm-hmm. That's a gun owner's car. Ooh. Now, Nick and Mac arrive back at Nick's house and uh, hide in the bunker with Grandpa. A bunch of carolers arrive and Mac goes to warn them, but Santa shows up and turns their songs into screams by once again murdering them all. It's also another one of my. Uh, 2005 references is when they're in the bunker and the grandpa's like, don't forget to act, uh, grab that tough act in Tenactin. Do you guys yeah, remember those old Tenactin commercials? It was just yeah. a, it was just Tenactin getting their way in this in this movie. Do you He's think like, they oh, sponsored? Like, like when absolutely. We, yes. When the three of us we did Leprechaun, we had a long conversation over whether or not uh, Jameson sponsored the creation of that. And part of me wonders if like. I don't know, Transformers or Tough Actin' to Actin' or Nicorette gum. If they like, I mean, had some sort of financing. Yes. The only, no, the no, only they, reason... They, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, they probably were like, we need money for the film. We'll go get ad spend and reach out to these companies. And I don't know. So I bet one of the guys was just sitting in his, in his office and he was like, well, who are we going to call? And he's just like looking around his office. And he's like, well, I got this Nicorette here. I got to Actin'. My kid's over there being a brat with this transformer. I was like, oh, I'll give a couple calls to these people. Well, I also, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tenactin was the one of the three that wasn't actually a sponsorship, because I remember in the two thousands, those fucking Tenactin commercials were, you couldn't walk five seconds without hearing a Tenactin commercial. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was them just making fun of Tenactin, but it probably was advertising. But that really like that opened up a memory in me that I just completely blocked away because I was sick of John Madden telling me to get tough acting Tenactin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, my God. dad couldn't walk at all without Tenactin. So that's maybe where I'm heading. Do you think Tenactin still uh, still exists? Because I still can barely walk. Well, I think it's for foot fungus. So okay. Well, then apparently, <laughs> apparently Mick, is, uh, apparently his foot fungus was bad. or athlete's foot. I mean, which I guess maybe it's is still foot fungus. Yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. Mick. I know you listen to all of these episodes that your son's part of because mm-hmm. you're doting father. But uh, you know, Santa breaks into the house and then he busts into the bunker. But the three heroes sneak out through a special escape hatch. 
The heroes get on some snowmobiles and go to flee, but Santa stops them and starts a verbal assault on Grandpa. And then Grandpa is run over by a rain steer. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it? It's like a it's like a water buffalo. He calls it his deer, though, and it's definitely a buffalo. Yeah. yeah, and then someone also calls it a steer, and I'm like, I don't think that that's what a buffalo is called. No. <sighs> well, Mac and Nick leave this, the grandpa's lifeless body in the snow and escape on their snowmobiles. Santa chases after them and starts throwing exploding presents at them. Luckily for them, though, Santa's aim is dog shit, and the duo managed to escape his grasp. The duo head into downtown and tell everyone to run away since Santa is coming. And then Santa comes. Literally and metaphorically, as he kidnaps the church pastor. Nick and Mac head to their high school for some reason. I don't understand how we got here, but they do. And they break in whilst also setting off every single alarm known to man in this fucking town. Mac finds the nutcracker Nick's grandpa gave him. Apparently, it's his Christmas present, which is a really shitty Christmas present. So, no wonder Nick is disappointed in Christmas. At the same time, Santa is making his way into the school. Now, Santa catches up to him and chases them into the school library. Also, Santa can shoot fireballs from his mouth. And uh, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. 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 Well, and they also, we find out during this whole little chase to get to the school that pretty just, pretty much the movie's just doing this nose, I mean, right on the head. The town name is Hell. They're just, they just live in Hell, Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell Township, apparently. Do you know that there's actually a Hell, Michigan? Yes, I did know that actually. And you can you can pay. So they it's this is a very interesting thing. A little sidebar here, but apparently in Hell, Michigan, you can pay a small fee of like two hundred dollars to become governor of Hell. And then because of the way that their town is like their laws are written, they can just essentially um, I don't know impeach the governor at any point. So what they do is that this is like a source of revenue for them is that they let people become governor, they put them through, and then they immediately impeach them for the next person. But you get a certificate that says like you are the governor of hell, Michigan. That's and fucking weird. Awesome. What? No, that's fucking awesome. No, I, awesome. weird things can be awesome. Okay, you I mean, misinterpret. Fair. By my, if I was governor, my first rule would be uh, banning impeachment right away and then just doing whatever i wanted in this hell town Ooh, i like Ooh. it permanent governor of hell permanent until the day governor you die i love it after hell using satan. a, a sp- hell satan after using a smoke bomb ornament the two have to flee and santa chases them around the school and immediately chases them into an ice hockey rink do okay someone answer this question maybe you guys yeah. don't know boston you're from the north boston boston mike you're from the north so you might have a better clue to this but um do northern schools just instead of having like a basketball rink, they just have a fucking ice hockey rink instead, or is that just Canada? No, no high schools have a have an ice rink. An ice rink is an ice rink that your school has to go to. Like yeah. we, our closest ice rink for our town, we were super small. It was like three towns away, so we never really had a team. They were bad. You well, had to drive like fifty minutes to play. We I had the Atlanta willing... Thrashers for two years, so. Well. <sighs> I'd be willing to bet, though, in places like like in especially Canada, but like even more north than Boston, where like not that I'm not saying hockey is not big in Boston, but like there are cities that hockey is way bigger than in Boston. So I'd be willing to bet that like there are maybe not in the school, but a lot closer to the school. 
there. Yeah, for Can- for Canada would I, I, that wouldn't surprise me, especially yeah. in old Hell Ontario. I bet that they have a, <laughs> old I Hell Ontario. I think it's in Alberta. Either way, Santa <laughs> then busts out a Zamboni and chases them around the ice rink before he can crush them to death. The Zamboni gets stuck on something. But what is that something? Well, let me tell you what that something is. It's an angelic curling stone. Santa looks over angrily and sees the angelic form of Grandpa, which if you haven't caught it yet, um, he's the angel from before. And honestly, the way that we've probably discussed this film, you didn't know that. But if you watch the claymation version, you <laughs> would know that that is Grandpa because it looks just fucking like him. Um, and then obviously, yes, he is the angel that beat Santa in the curling bet. Santa then explains the way he found Grandpa was because Nick wrote a bitch-ass letter to Santa one Christmas, <laughs> and that led him directly to them all. And now that he's got everyone cornered, Grandpa makes another bet with Santa. The stakes are roughly the same, except this time, uh, Santa has to be Santa forever, which is a terrible fucking bet. Also, also like, why would you take this bet if you're Santa? Sure. If you're this terrible. Santa. Yeah, if you're like this version of Santa, obviously yeah. the first Santa, sure. But this Santa, he's like, why would you do that? Yeah, just you kill know? him. Like, why aren't you just killing this man? I Or this angel? I mean, it's trash cinema, so we don't need explanations. You're right. And explanations are warranted. So right. in this case, in, in the first batch of curling, uh, Santa went first and the angel went second. But this time around, Grandpa Angel is going first. And he sets up the perfect shot. Now, in this version of curling, instead of the the circle in the center being the the golden spot, I guess. I don't know anything about curling, but, you know, fuck it. It's a hole to hell. There is a hole straight to hell in the ground. And so you can't get your thing in there, but you got to get as close as possible. So I think that's pretty much curling. My question is, my question is, when will the Olympics fucking grow up? Yeah, and start making the center of the curling ring be a hole to hell. I yeah, like we, we got to start playing for keeps. Like, yeah, when it's America versus Belgium in the Olympics, uh, the team dies right there. Like, that's that's what we should be doing. Because honestly, think... I, I would tune in. Why, why have it every four years? Just do this every single month. Get less yeah. people on the planet. I like that idea. Honestly, hell, you could probably field an entire team with Nick Cannon's kids. Is the way that he mm. pops them out. I mean, you could sacrifice one every month and he'd still probably repopulate the planet by himself. <laughs> now, like I said, Grandpa goes first. He sets up the perfect shot. Now, this is golden, right? He is in the place. There's no way he can lose. He's no, in his bag, as some would say. No, mm. no way he could lose unless Santa literally picks up Angel Grandpa and throws him instead of his curling stone which is what happens. Grandpa goes sailing straight through the hole and uh, straight to hell. However, the timer on Nick's clock goes off and it signals that Christmas is over and Santa has to go back to the North Pole. Unfortunately, time is abstract or something, so Santa will stay forever and kill everyone. Yeah, he owned him on that. He was just like, like, "Uh, Christmas is over. And Goldberg was just like, yeah, fuck that rule. That's not real. I'm still here, bitch. Yeah. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Whatever you just thought for the whole plot of this movie, wrong. Honestly, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he says in the movie, too. <laughs> line for line. <laughs> and then, at this point, Santa decides it is time to just kill Nick off and leave them be. 
so he shoots another fireball out of his mouth. And then Nick, Nick, Nick uses the nutcracker gun and shoots a nut at him, which embeds in Santa's chest and knocks he him, nutted out him cold. He nutted on his chest. Yeah, he nutted him good. He nutted him real good. Yeah. Now, Nick hears him and Mac, they hear Grandpa yelling and realize that Grandpa didn't fall all the way to hell. He just still fell into the hole. So they run over to him and yank him out of the hell hole. At the same time, though, Which Santa... Makes no sense. None at all. But either way, at this point in time, Santa uses his Zamboni to drive straight through the wall of the ice hockey rink mm-hmm. and escapes. Mm-hmm. Grandpa then explains that he gave up his angelic powers for Nick's grandpa and that the three need to go hunt down Santa. This is explained very briefly. I still don't understand the rules or logistics behind it, but I don't care anymore. I love this movie. The downside to this is apparently grandpa can't leave the ice hockey rink for just plot armor reasons (laughs) and that the two, Nick and Mac, must forge their own path together and defeat Santa Claus. So the two devise a plan to get a bunch of skeet shooters to help out by tricking them into shooting down Santa and his reindeer. As Santa approaches, the group unloads a thousand rounds into the sleigh, and then Mac's dad, who we haven't seen this entire movie, steps out from the darkness and shoots a bazooka, (laughs) which blows up the reindeer. And uh, something else that I really want to mention, one of these skeet shooters, these aforementioned skeet shooters is a gentleman that has no voice box because he was because <laughs> he smoked and they brought back another age old reference of the like where he talks like this he puts the thing to his throat and uh after they kill uh Santa he's like and it only cost me a lung which is from the commercial where like they're like I, yes do you, like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was like a, the yep. mix between the camel camel bucks from the old camel cigarettes they used to to do. For people who don't realize <laughs> this, a camel if you used to have camel bucks. So if you bought more cigarettes, you could get coupons that you could use to buy camel merch and shit. Which yeah, honestly Margo- is like fucking hilarious to me that that actually was a thing that happened. Came in, came in. I have Marlboro merch because my mother used to do stuff like this. I had a sweet blanket. I had a jacket of Marlboro's. I'm a 13 year old kid, and my mom's like, "Here's a jacket for the winter," and it's just Marlboro. Marlboro, on my back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I that guy, it. that guy talks just like Ned Gerblansky from South Park, like right yes. away. It yeah, like, it's coming right for us. Yeah, <laughs> and like just... <laughs> the the old like now the commercials are all about like don't vape, but back then when we were kids, the commercials was all about not smoking and like the cost of smoking, and the whole thing was that it would cost you a lung and so mm-hmm. what a reference that one icing on top for me icing on top so the the group all head off though because they want to hunt down and find their kill right as a normal hunter would do you would go track down so they follow a, a line of viscera and carnage to go find the reindeer now what they do find is the reindeer it's been blown to bits but it still exists as well as santa claus impaled on the school flagpole now, here's the twist. The Santa Claus on the flagpole? That's the church pastor dressed up as Santa Claus and not Bill Goldberg. So think about that. Put that so, in your pipe and smoke it. What ends up happening is, is Nick and Mac, they realize that their nightmare probably isn't over. But mm-hmm. it's cool. Who cares? And then they make out. 
Which is the point where I'm like, okay, so they are a couple, right? Right? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, no, without a doubt. Without he, 100%. Yeah, he touched her boob earlier. And she was like, you have to touch my boob. I, I always make all the first moves. Like, what the heck? And he's like, yeah. oh, booby. Uh, I, I guess that's fair. Well, we then cut and we see that Santa Claus is indeed still alive and still well. Except this time he's dressed up in Harley Davidson stuff. <laughs> and so he's at the airport. And she's like, your last name is Satan? And then another reference, which is only for hockey nerds, where he's like, it's pronounced Shatan. There was a hockey player, Miroslav Shatan, that he was uh, big at the time. Like another, they're just sinking threes with these references mm-hmm. for old 2005 Patrick. If I watched this movie back then, I would have had a great time. David Steinman, the director, just fucking going full Kobe all the Co- time. Fully, I, truly. Full Kobe. Gretzky from the blue line. So our, our dolled up Santa Claus, he's talking to the flight attendant or the lady at the desk to get his plane ticket. And we have the aforementioned Sheetan reference. And uh, she says to him, she goes, all right, and this is a, a one-way stop to the North Pole. We then get credits. But don't worry, the movie's not over just yet. The final scene in the film comes during the credits where we see Santa once more donned in his Christmas best, reading the naughty and nice list. And he turns to the camera, breaking the fourth wall, saying, who's next? I didn't see this scene. I didn't see it either. I So I rented this on Amazon, and Amazon like shut the movie down before it got to this. What? Yeah. Someone so get Bezos on the line right now. There is an in credit scene in Santa's sleigh, which... Wow. For those of you who remember Goldberg's time in the WCW, who's next was his saying because he had like a streak of like a hundred wins or some shit like that. And uh, that was his thing. Everyone, he'd walk around and be like, who's next? He did the throat slash thing and he'd just pull his tongue out being all beefy and shit. Ugh. But either way, that's it. We roll credits. Unbelievable. Which Good was stuff. such a bummer that you guys didn't see that. I know. No. Fucking well, Amazon, no, I, dude. I, I, I just turned it off. I could I could put it on right now. It was just like, oh, the movie's over. I didn't think, I didn't know that we had an, a, you know, a MCU, uh, like, endgame credit here where I had Goldberg the, the, yeah, the Santa Slays universe. Well, boys, that brings us to the end of the episode, which brings us to Final Thoughts, segment of the show where we ask the question, save it or can it? Would you save this film or would you can this film? We will start as we started with initial thoughts with you, Boston Mike the heavyweight champion of, of festive Yuletide cheer or whatever I wrote at the beginning of the show. I can't remember at this point. It doesn't fucking matter. What matters is, what do you think of this movie? Do you think it should be saved or do you think this movie should be canned? Uh, this is an emphatic save. It's, it's just so easy to just like watch this movie. It's 70 minutes. It's a quick hit. Get in, get out. Goldberg is just a murderous Santa, and that's that. And then there's some curling involved into it. It's fun. Loved it. Uh, maybe my – actually, yes, my favorite movie I've done so far in the podcast, I'd say. Hell, yeah. I'd love to fucking hear it. That is some Christmas cheer that I needed tonight. Patrick. Yeah. Give me your final thoughts, baby. Save it again. I, I You know, I as I said at the beginning, I was scared coming in and I was so, so thrilled to walk away from this movie. I had adored this movie. This is easily top five for me of what we've done so far. I mean, if 
you know, I, I, you know, I have this little ranking on my letterbox as we go through number one, obviously fast and the furious. So I have this at number five, but like, if we want to, if we want to knock off fast and the furious, because it doesn't really count, this is a number four for me. Cause I have it right. Sitting it right at number five, this movie rules. And I think a lot of it has to do with what Mike said. It is so tight. There is not a single ounce of fat in this movie. Oh, not it at is all. the perfect length. They get in, they fucking get out. There's claymation. There's curling. There's references out the ass like this. It's like the perfect movie. Honestly, I, so. I can't disagree. I, I'm so happy that you enjoyed it. I feel the exact same way. This was a movie I watched probably, probably 20 years ago. I distinctly remember getting this movie pro- probably a little bit after that it was released. I remember picking it up at Blockbuster. I don't even think I watched it for Christmas the first time. I just saw Bill Goldberg as Santa Claus and was like, I have to see this movie. It has become a staple in my household. This movie is something that I watch every single Christmas. I love this movie. And if you haven't checked out Trash Talk from last week, you'll hear me talk about how much I love it um, and really pitch the movie. But we're here. We've covered it. I don't think I have to pitch this movie any more than we already have. This movie is, like Patrick said, tight. There's no fat here. There's absolutely no fat on this movie. And it is so fucking funny. Like the references and the jokes are just so good. And it's not, I don't know. It's a horror film, but at the same time, like, honestly, I think it's probably more comedy than horror to a certain I would degree. Agree. I would agree. Oh my God. Like, it's so it's, it's a comedy film. It is just, it's pitch perfect. Like it really is just pitch perfect. It's like a comedy slasher almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah, cause it. Cause it is funny. Just like all the deaths aren't like, uh type of death so like how ridiculous is it that he's gonna even like just when he threw your boy the guy that you know um into the dumpster it was like it was just a <laughs> yeah. doll like it was just like all of a sudden just like cuts and it's yeah, just like this yeah. doll flipping through so it's just and, hilarious and like the the candy cane in his eye like yep. it, it could have been so much more gruesome than it was yeah and i was so i was thinking about this when i was watching the movie um because i was i was just wondering when am i going to see the spear right um he didn't end up killing him with the spear but I'm curious, what if we had to pick a wrestling move for a death? Mm. What wrestling move would you want to see? It doesn't have to be Goldberg's. Obviously, it's like two main ones. But like, mm. what signature move would you think would be like a good death? Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I like the idea of like Bret Hart putting on a sharpshooter and just like ripping someone's legs off in the process <laughs> sure. would be fucking dope. Um like I don't know, power bombing someone until their their just body explodes, mm. or or doing the fucking Iron Sheik's camel clutch, and just <laughs> the guy's like head ripping like wide open would also be dope. Do you guys remember? This is kind of a deep cut. Billy the Kid. Do you remember that wrestler? Yeah, oh, yeah. EX baby. So he would do these like backflips off the turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. I would love to see someone do a backflip and just kick someone's head off. Oh, yep. There is an old movie starring Kevin Nash called Monster Monster Brawl. Oh it yeah, was bad. it was not a Big good sexy. movie. But there's a part where Big he sexy. he does his uh, like he does a clothesline on someone, and I want to say it rips their head off for the clothesline. <laughs> yeah, just... I think I was thinking uh, like the walls of Jericho just snapping somebody's back in half would Ooh. be good. Or this move did kill someone, the six one nine, because Rey Mysterio did kill the guy in Mexico with that. What? Yeah, before he got to WWE, he killed it. Accidentally killed a guy like really? in the ring. But you know, it's it's you know part of the job. Sometimes, oh yeah, you, you sign the waiver. So, so, oh. Yeah, the six one nine has killed somebody. So that's 
That's right. Do you guys remember? This is a bit off topic. Do you guys remember when um, Sid Vicious in the WCW jumped off the turnbuckle and kicked? I think it was Goldberg, or maybe it was Scott Steiner. It was one of the two beef bros from Georgia. Oh, Scott Steiner. And he kicks him in the chest and snaps his his femur in half. No, no I don't remember. Yeah, that. dude, I remember watching it in real time. It was horrifying to see. Oh my but also God. like super cool if you're like into kind of like just kind of want to see some gnarly shit. I, whatever. It's up to people to do that. But yeah. I will say just a, setting up a little primer here as something that we'll be doing in the near future. So we will be doing a trash talk episode talking about pro wrestlers and horror films and you kind of going over some of those fun little movies like See Kane, See No Evil. Love that movie. There's about Kurt Angle was a what about the movie? Um, um, oh, man. It's with David Arquette where he just goes, wrestling is real. What was it? Royal Ready Rumble? to Rumble. Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble. Yeah, man. I've seen Ready to Rumble. Great movies. And speaking of great movies, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate, review, and the hell, share the hell of your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, a word about this key here. And we are beggars. Also, fuck Keith. Fuck Keith. Fuck him. Actually, it's funny. Patrick just found out that Keith is a real person. I for, This whole Keith's time- real? Yeah, I, this right, Mike. This whole time, I thought it was just like a bit that, and like, because I remember the very first episode when he said "fuck Keith," I was like, "Oh, what?" And then he yeah. just kept doing. It. it was like, "Oh, I get it. It's a, it's a, what a weird bit." But I love this bit that it came out of nowhere. And then you know, hashtag justice for Keith for be a Jeremiah. Like I was on Keith's side. Then I learned that Keith's real and Keith's a fucking douchebag. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, fuck Keith, fuck that guy. I thought it was like take Keith. No, no, this man is real. This is a real Keith and real and fuck you to Keith. And, and it's maybe Keith Urban. It is Keith Urban because Keith justice Urban. for Nicole Kidman. One day maybe we'll discuss that on the show. But if you're interested in other shows, specifically video games, why don't you check out our sister podcast, the Spotlight Games Podcast, on all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, and we're streaming live on Twitch every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So come check us out over there as well. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Came and Patrick, where can they follow you? They can follow me at Patrick Schwag on Twitter. And Michael, where can they follow you? Uh, Mick Dagger, two R's. Beautiful. And you can follow our sister podcast at Spot Games Pod on Twitter and Spot Games Podcast on Instagram. And you can find STC at the handle at Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Merry Trashmas, everyone. And remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema. Thing Patrick Froese. I got you, bitch. Oh. Oh. Oh.